We moved to Round Rock ISD 13 years ago for the schools, period. I have been appalled by the way that a majority of the trustees have treated students and their parents. $6,000 times almost 6,000 students who have departed, you get to about $35 million in annual revenues. Our district is not focused on the mission of educating children for a bright future. Round Rock ISD is where our children go to school. Round Rock ISD is where my tax dollars go. So Round Rock ISD is what I care about. Welcome to the Bone and Weston Report podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Weston. And Mary Bone. And we are two moms here in Round Rock ISD who happened to get elected to their local school board about three years ago. And we do this podcast to share our experiences and give our listeners insight into what goes on um, in a, on the local school board. So today our topic is declining enrollment. And so I want to start, Mary, I'm going to ask you to explain to our listeners uh, a very important report that's publicly available on the Texas Education website. It's called the Student Transfer Report. Can you kind of educate our listeners on what this report is, what kind of information uh, is included in it, and why it's helpful to understand declining enrollment? Sure. So these reports, the it's called the Transfer Report. And like you said, it can be found on the Texas Education Agency website, publicly available. And it gives the transfers into our school district from other public schools. So that's charters and ISDs. And it also gives transfers out of our district to other charter public charter schools and ISDs. So it does not include private schools or homeschooling students, but it does include um, numbers from, like I said, other public schools and charters. And you can see in our district, so if, if somebody were to go pull this up, uh, you would see that in our district, we have 522. And again, this is every year, every school year, this is published. And we're reading off of the 2022-2023. So this was last school year. Um, I'm reading off that report. And we had 522 students transfer in um, from other school districts. Into Round Rock ISD. Into Round Rock ISD. Um, and on the flip side, we had 5,723 students transfer out of Round Rock ISD to other publicly available schools. Um, in our district, you can see that I believe the largest charter school is Meridian World School um, with a little over a thousand students. Um, and to put that into comparison, a, a thousand students is much bigger than any of our elementaries. I don't know if we have an elementary. We may have a couple of elementaries with a thousand students, but that's getting closer to some of our, our middle schools um, our bigger middle schools, our smaller middle schools are still um, even smaller. So a thousand students is a, a significant number. Um, you also have Ga Gateway Charter taking 711 students um, transferred out to Gateway. Um, you have IDIB Public Schools with 706 students that have transferred out of Round Rock to them. Uh, Jubilee Academy, uh, Basis Texas, Harmony Public Schools. Um, you know, these again are all charter schools. Um, they're not other ISDs. And they're they're listed by name on the report, right? With those numbers you were reading? And they are. They are. And and I just want to make sure people understand that this is not, we are, we are just giving numbers. Um, this isn't anything against charter schools. Um, we're trying to identify specifically why Round Rock is having declining enrollment and why people are leaving to these schools. Um, so I'd be interested, Danielle, have you, what have you seen with charter schools in this area? Have you seen them increasing in size, um, more charter schools coming, less charter schools coming in? What have you seen in the Round Rock area? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. I do want to back up just a yeah. little bit here. 
I want to go back, Mary, um, 13 years ago because uh, my family, you know, we moved here. My husband and I were in the military. We've lived all over the country. And when our military careers were over, we could have lived anywhere we wanted to. And we decided we wanted to move to Texas. We did not live in Texas at the time. And we decided we wanted to live in Round Rock. And it was for the schools, period. Our younger children were in kindergarten and first grade at the time. And their education was our number one priority. And I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that. Um, nobody loves their children more than their parents. And we want bright futures for all of our children. And my husband and I were no different. So we moved to Round Rock ISD 13 years ago for the schools, period. That's why we moved here. That's why we live here. And 13 years later, I look around and you named some of them, but there are others. All of these competitors to Round Rock ISD are popping up in the Round Rock ISD footprint and they they fill up immediately. They have long waiting lists. I mean, you you mentioned uh, Meridian because it's on this report, which is publicly available, over a thousand students. You know, 13 years ago when I moved here, I would not have believed that there would be over a thousand students that would want to leave a school district that I so badly wanted to move to. So something has changed. Um, I do think that uh, it's good for our community to know you can go on the Round Rock ISD uh, website and you can look up the demographer reports. Uh, Round Rock ISD pays a demographer for a quarterly report. So there are four every year that shows trends. Uh, it shows population trends, housing trends, a lot of really interesting information. And one of the things that these demographer reports reveal is that there are more school-aged children that live in the Round Rock ISD footprint today than there has ever been in history. So sometimes you'll hear people make excuses like, well, there's declining birth rates and that's why people are leaving our schools. Well, no, there's actually more children of school age that live in our district today than ever have before. And what's also on these demographer reports is the names of charter schools who are not even built yet but who are thinking of building in our district. So there's a lot of good information out there. And the question has to be, why would a charter school or any competitor to uh, the local public school, why, why would they feel like they could set up shop here and be successful? And I think it's because they see the trends. They see that over 5,700 students that live here have opted out of our schools. Now, I don't think you and I would ever pretend that we know every reason for why every student has left our schools. Um, we've tried to make um, we've tried to make some um, uh, agenda item requests to talk about it, to gain insight, to learn. Uh, and as you know, Mary, um, when, when, one of the reasons we do these podcasts is because it's not realistic for you know the average person who's just trying to work, live, and raise their family to watch a school board meeting. But our our listeners should know that we ask in board meetings, can we talk about the declining enrollment? And our colleagues just say, well, you know, it's happening everywhere. It's no big deal. There's nothing to see here. But at the same time, Mary, they complain that they're broke. They complain that the state of Texas doesn't give them enough money. And knowing that the basic allotment for each student is over $6,000, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but $6,000 times almost 6,000 students who have departed, that comes, you get to about $35 million in annual revenue. So this is, this is real this has a downstream effect um, on everything, not to mention, you know, when, when your neighbor's children don't go to the school that your children go to, it erodes the community, in my view. Our goal, I think, should be to have as many children who live in our school district attend our schools, but it also has the downstream effect of impact on the budget. But our colleagues, and, and this is what troubles me the most, Mary, because again, I, I don't, I want to learn more about this, but the fact that our colleagues will not even talk about this 
And, and, and they shut us down in a board meeting and they say, well, we're going to call the question. We're not going to talk about this topic of declining enrollment anymore. There's nothing to see here. That that troubles me because I, I can't help but wonder if they just don't want to talk about it. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, and I also want to share that before I hand it back to you, the administration did present the board with a survey. They said they did a survey to determine why students left. I'm, I'm very skeptical of the results. They were saying that like everybody's moving out of Round Rock ISD, but then you look at the data, the population data that doesn't show that that's what's, doesn't show that children are fleeing our, our footprint. So I, I'm skeptical of that. So those, and then they even admitted that it was a very low response rate. And then just anecdotally, I know people who got the survey and they said, well, the survey didn't even give me the opportunity to really tell my story and, and the truth. So what are your thoughts on the fact that our colleagues on the school board will not even talk about this topic of declining enrollment in a meaningful way? Yeah, this this has been really surprising, I think, for you and I, especially because we knew some of these colleagues before we were on the board. And this is such an important topic um, because this gets directly, uh, you know, it is a financial question too, right? Of like, where are these students going? Because that, if we don't have their you know, we don't get money if we don't have the students. Um, and you and I are extremely concerned about the students. Um, and so we thought maybe if there was money, right, that maybe our colleagues would be concerned about the financials. And, and that hasn't seemed to be the case because they will not talk about this. And I, I would like the listeners to know, I think we started asking for this about two years ago. So actually before there was like national news about this, um, you and I were seeing this in our local school district uh, right during COVID. And we were seeing parents, you know, leaving our school districts because we were one of the schools that did stay, uh, you know, we stayed masked even after the Governor Abbott um, said that we couldn't. Um, our board actually elected to go against Governor Abbott's uh, rule and and actually force masking. And, and we were saying, hey, you know, we're seeing lots of students, their parents saying, you know, I'm going to pull my kids out. And it started then, you and I were like, let's talk about declining enrollment and try to figure something out um, and work towards a solution. And we just kept getting the pushback of what you were saying, where it's they won't even put it on an agenda to talk about. Um, and then they, they kind of act like there's nothing to talk about here. And now that it's become a national issue, and now that it's national, they're just like, oh, well, this is just national. And again, they, they don't seem to want to talk about it. But I think you and I, and I think what listeners might find interesting is that we do get a lot of emails from parents um, across the district that, you know, they, they don't know our political standing. They're just, they just send the whole board an email and they're upset about something. And we do get to see all these. We also get to see grievances um, that, that parents bring. So you and I do get some insider information on what we see and the way that students are treated in our district. And I would just like to say that I have been appalled by the way that a majority of the trustees on our board have treated students and their parents. We've had national news stories, or at least local news stories, um, of the way students were treated and then the way their parents were treated. Um, and you and I, we just you know, sometimes I've almost cried at the dais and I'm not a crier. And I just, I don't understand. I really can't grasp that any student would be treated in such a, a poor manner. And I understand, you know, if you look at, you know, and children should not be treated as business, but there is a side to this that, you know, if you treat one 
you know, student bad, that's going to get around. Other parents are going to hear that. Um, and it, it kind of seeds this distrust, I think, of the district. Um, and, I, and I think school boards need to own that. And I don't think our school board has owned that. Um, I think you and I have tried to, you know, put on our adult pants and say we're owning that there's a distrust of our, our school board. Um, and again, I don't, you know, I kind of live by the rule that my dad taught me is that, you know, I don't care what the national, you know, I don't care what nationally is going on. I take ownership of my school district that I am a trustee on. And I think other people need to take, you know, don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. And I, I, I can recall when I was little, you know, my neighbor's got a four-wheeler and I really wanted a four-wheeler. And my dad said, no, you're not getting a four-wheeler because that's not for our family. Um, so, you know, just because everybody else is doing something or getting something, you know, doesn't mean we have to do it. Um, and I, I think that's the philosophy you and I have taken. And I, I think the others, you know, they continue. You know, we've seen it. It, it has not stopped them from treating students in a manner that I think you and I just, you know, we walk away from shaking our heads. And honestly, it's the hardest part for me being on the board. I would just like to add that because this is about students. Um, seeing the way students are treated in private by our board has been appalling. And so, you know, if you all hear your friends saying how they were treated in private by your school board, it, it might be true because we have seen it. Um, and they, they do things and say things that you just can't believe. So... I think it's the way we treat students. Yeah, and I just for our listeners to understand, when we talk about declining enrollment, sometimes a podcast don't, doesn't lend itself to um, numbers, but I am just going to say that in Round Rock ISD, again, we're the 21st largest district in the state, uh, we had a population peak of student enrollment in 2020 with almost 51,000 students. Today, we stand at 46,500. So this is a very steep decline. We're at the point where over 10% of the uh, school-aged children who live in our footprint do not attend our schools. Their families have lost confidence for whatever reason. And, you know, I'll tell you, my, my background was in the military, and I, I just, I understand how critical it is. If an organization wants to be successful, if an organization is, is future-looking and forward-leaning, it commits and understands its core mission. You know, in the Air Force, our mission was to get bombs on target, to ensure uh, our nation's ability to uh, for air superiority and global reach. We're very clear on what the mission is. Everything we did was about the mission. And I think what's going on, and Round Rock ISD may not be unique, but Round Rock ISD is where we live. Round Rock ISD is where our children go to school. Round Rock ISD is where my tax dollars go and where the, the listeners who live in our school district, where their tax dollars go. So Round Rock ISD is what I care about. And when I see the school district, when I see declining enrollment, this is a key indicator of organizational success. This is an indicator that our district is not focused on the mission of educating children for a bright future. And organizations who turn a blind eye and will not discuss key indicators that indicate that they are going in the wrong direction, that they have abandoned their mission, organizations who ignore this do so at their own peril. And what brings me distress, and I know you share this distress, Mary, and that's why we're doing this podcast, is we want this to stop. We want it to be reversed. We want our local public school district to return to its core mission, to restore the confidence, faith, and trust that brought my family here, that brought your family here. You're not from Round Rock. I'm not from Round Rock. You're not from Texas. I'm not from Texas. We live here because we wanted to live here. And I'm just really concerned that 
when anywhere, regardless of the industry, if you're ignoring the key indicators, the future is not bright and it's not what I want. So before we close out, Mary, I'll just ask you to uh, close us out with any thoughts that you want to make sure that our listeners are aware of. Yeah, when you say key indicators, I think one of the things that some of the trustees have done on our school board is they make up excuses that are not based in fact. And one of them is, you know, declining birth rate. Uh, you know, we have less students under 18. Um, if that's true, I've asked for the information. Nobody can provide it to me and I can't find it anywhere. In fact, the people that our district pays uh, the demographers, and then in the certified annual financial report, which I was just reading last month, it keeps saying every year that we are expected to have a growing population. Um, I don't think we mentioned it, but Round Rock ISD sits so right outside of Austin, Texas. It is now the tenth largest city in the country. We are we have been growing just year after year. We've had some of the fastest growing uh, towns in the country, you know, in Central Texas, right here. Um, and Round Rock, you know, everywhere I drive, they're building new apartments, they're building new houses. You and I absolutely, I, I think I can speak for both of us, we do not believe that this is a, you know, it's just not based in fact. This is not, you know, birth rates not declining under age 18. And if it is, somebody provide us uh, the information, which again goes back to your your statement that, you know, they won't provide us. They don't provide us that information. In fact, the information they do provide us points to everything else but then what they say at the dais is the complete opposite. And I think that's where you and I, that's where frustration comes in. Um, and that's where, you know, we try to ask questions to pull that out because we're like, well, all the information, the facts that you give us in the papers uh, tell us that, it, you know, it should be increasing, right? And I'll just say, Mary, my gut tells me, my life experience tells me the reason all we hear is excuses the reason we don't address this in a meaningful way is because the truth, when the truth would be revealed about why more and more families are losing confidence in our schools, when that truth becomes revealed, it's going to reflect poorly on the elected and unelected leaders of our school district, which means that, again, we are not focused on our core mission of students. The effort is to protect the adults. Final thoughts? Yeah, I, I would just like to add again, I want to pull this back to declining enrollment. When we when we see students leave, it hurts our hearts because it means that we, you know, the district has failed students, you know, in whatever way. And I've said this before, you know, some students are going to choose to leave our district no matter what. Um, and, you know, that family needs to make the best decision for that family. But I think for you and I, we want, we see opportunities to regain the trust of families. And like you said, we're not asking for anything more. We're asking, let's just get back to where we were. And I think that's not too much to ask. And I think the financial cost to our district um, also hurts, you know, all the students that are here. Um, you know, our, our schools are a community. And when that community starts decreasing in numbers because of decisions being made at the high level, I just want people to know that, you know, it, at some point it's going to impact students. And I, I think we should do another podcast at some point, but we could talk about, you know, how we have schools that are, you know, around 50% full that, you know, there are, you can see it the other way, right? At 50% empty. Um, and we have lots of schools that are, you know, 60 something percent full, which means they're 40% empty. So at what point, you know, do we have the big questions of, 
you know, are you going to have to close schools? There's plenty of districts doing it. And I think you and I are fighting not to do that. Like we really want a real solution so we don't have to do these um, big consequences that are going to come from declining enrollment. All right, Mary, well, I appreciate the time and the dialogue. And I think this has been helpful for our listeners. Uh, until next time, thank you. Thank you.